Hello and welcome to Real-Time Strategy, a bi-weekly podcast looking at the gaming industry through the lens of public relations. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Mosier, joined by fellow Triple Pointers, Emily Gogol and Brad Ramon. How are you both doing today? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Emily, I know this is the second time you've been on this podcast. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? It's been long enough that I'm, I kind of forgot and did it on the on the fly. No, you got it. Um, it's really funny because one of our coworkers was like apparently mispronouncing my name for two months, and he just never said it to me. <laughs> so one time he was like, "Yeah, Emily Goggle, what's up?" And I was like, "That's not my last name." And he was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." <laughs> so uh, you're, you're doing better. <laughs> Has anyone ever hit you with the Emily Google? If I had a nickel, Sam. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> And it's like you feel bad when you don't know how to pronounce your coworkers or friends' last names, but like it is a sign of friendliness and that like we're not going around calling each other by our full names all the time. You know, yeah. we're we're on first name bases. Yeah, we're not like weird and being like, Hello, Sam Mosher, welcome <laughs> yeah. to the meeting. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're past the formalities, right? So absolutely. This week, or uh, on this episode of Real Time Strategy, we're talking about the summer Game Fest season. We've gotten several showcases from the indies to the AAAs to the multi platforms, uh, and we're going to dig into it our favorites, what we're still looking to see this year, uh, and just talking about the summer showcase season as a whole. Uh, but before we get into that, it is the summer. Uh, how's everybody doing? Has anyone had any fun plans uh, for the season? I feel like Brad is like the one that does like interesting summer stuff because like he'll he'll send me a Slack message. He's like, sorry if I'm responding slow today. I was out rock climbing yesterday, and I'll be like, what? <laughs> where where were you rock climbing, Brad? <laughs> I, I I have Emily's correct. I have been rock climbing. I uh I joined a gym recently, so it's indoor rock climbing. Um, but I'm trying to go a couple times a week. Um, been once so far, so clearly need to still step it up a little bit. But that's okay. It's a it's a slow start, but. I like scaling walls. Yeah, it's fun. So that's yeah. awesome. Is this a newfound interest? Or are you like reclaiming an old hobby? Reclaiming it? I I mean, I, I I can't even call it an old hobby because I enjoyed it, but never really got into it that much before. Like, I at one point tried to join the rock climbing club that we had in high school. Um, I think I went to like two meetings meetings which was just everyone goes and climbs after school uh but that's because i did way too many other extracurriculars and couldn't really <laughs> dedicate the time to just you know goofing you around like one of those climbing kids because like when i like literally all of recess i would like stand on top of the monkey bars and just like <laughs> climb up i got i like fell one time because i was climbing up a painted wall like i saw emperor's new groove and it was over for me because like i was like <laughs> climbing up painted walls doing like the whole thing and i just like winged myself on a doorknob on the way down oh, my no. dad was like you've got to stop climbing stuff and i was like unfortunately you have raised spider-man <laughs> <laughs> i um I don't think I was one of those climbing kids. I mean, like the like the monkey bars, right? Like, you know, even just the ones where you go like go is it like where you go across, right? I couldn't I couldn't do that for like the longest time because I was a a small child and I didn't have the <laughs> upper body strength to be able to do that. I I do now, so that's cool. But um, but no, I'm I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to get into it now. Uh, my my whole thing is like I've always wanted like exercise and fitness to be fun. And that means focusing on things that I enjoy that, that are, are also 
you know, good for me physically. So for a long time, it was Ring Fit Adventure. Sam has heard about mm. that one before. Um, I fell off of that uh, that wagon, and now I'm trying to rock climb instead. So. Well, we're excited for your 2024 uh, run of American Ninja Warrior. We will make <laughs> signs and T-shirts. I was gonna say, Brad. I, I look forward to the next time I see you in person to admire the calluses that you've that you. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> they yeah, have Brad. already started. My hands were so sore last time. So. Still wearing like the Kingdom Hearts T-shirt, but he's like just ripped. <laughs> yeah, just rips my Kingdom Hearts T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I so I like summer, but I always feel like the end of summer is way more eventful than the start of summer because like June parents are like, oh, no, what do I do with this kid? I have in my house all day. And like by <laughs> July and August, everybody's like, we have a solid formula of what to do with your kid. Um, but so end of summer, I'm going to Music Midtown, which is like a concert that's here in Atlanta. And uh, the headliners are Fall Out Boy and My Chemical Romance for all of the emo kids from 2007 uh take out your day glow neon uh gloves <laughs> and your little like lace collars that you got from target <laughs> i um, that is amazing for for all the for all the listeners who uh can't see the video call right now i did just raise my hand when Emma yeah i know talked about the um i can't forget the exact wording but the only thing in my head when i listen to those is just like 2000 pop punk I'm mm -hmm. I'm I'm living in that. Uh, I did not have one of the lace chokers. I will I I, I will um, not try and claim that. Oh, we'll do we'll, we'll um, do arts and crafts and uh, rock climbing in one weird day. <laughs> yes, uh, apparently so. Uh, Emily, I'm very jealous. My first ever concert as like a, a wee teenager was a Fall Out Boy Paramore concert. Oh my um, god! So I'm sure a, a Fall Out Boy MCR. Uh, festival will be very fun oh mitski's also there justin oh like if you're gosh. not if you're not depressed enough like don't worry we've got mitski hippocampus alec benjamin like the lineup is wow. insane it is every depressed teenager's like dream concert <laughs> get the pop punk kids and the indie kids in there that's a great crowd <laughs> oh yeah i feel like i feel like that's what all the festivals are doing this year is just like indie and pop punk it's like a lot of the lineups are just so honestly so weird it's like half half pop punk half rap and like oh two chains is there too yeah exactly <laughs> exactly i mean they're just trying to like they, honestly they're just trying to throw paint in the wall and see what sticks i mean they're getting different people that like different things and i know that i guess i mean it makes sense from a, like a like a business perspective of like you want like a you know to cover all your bases and people aren't going to go and see everybody like they literally cannot see everyone at one yeah. of these festivals so um, if you have dedicated stages or sections for different genres that people like that works. But for me trying to rationalize a $300 ticket when I only like half of the artists is, a, I don't know. Well, I guess, because for me, it really, like I would pay the $300 ticket just for follow by my cam, but like Fair. also 100 Gex is going to be there. Which Whoa. Is the, no, oh, I know. and there's, yeah. a, there's a song from 100 Gex that has Patrick Stump in it. And I'm wondering if there'll be like a cameo scenario. Um, I couldn't be a festival organizer because I would be evil and just like, who's got music beef? Cause we're inviting both of them and they're going to share a stage. Eminem <laughs> and uh, Machine Gun Kelly will have one stage. <laughs> I mean, you, pa you parent trap uh, like music bands. <laughs> I'm trying to get a feud started. I'm trying to get like 2005 warp tour level, like arguments happening in the parking there lot. <laughs> there we go. And this wow. is why I, I, I'm not a music festival organizer. <laughs> not in this life, right? <laughs> Not in this life, maybe in the next. 
Well, those both sound like some good summer plans. I front loaded mine. I went to Chicago and Michigan in June. I do have a Florida trip coming up in July. But the most exciting thing work wise is I'm going to get to go to L.A. Uh, next week. Uh, my first time ever in California. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, not much to share at this point, but I'm just very excited to uh, get to hopefully, you know, whether it's on the plane, that's fine, but I've never seen the Pacific Ocean. So that's exciting. Nice. It's dope. So yeah. much to look forward to, much like many games coming out. So let's dig into it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's dig in. <laughs> Before we talk about the summer game season, one quick disclaimer, Triple Point works with many gaming companies that may come up on the show, including Blizzard, which was seen at the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase, the Pokemon Company, Gearbox, and more. Visit TriplePointPR.com for our full client roster. So, E3, as we've discussed on previous episodes, did not happen this year. The ESA is planning a 2023 event. So, in the meantime, it looks like this summer is much like the one we got in 2020, uh, where there was, you know, kind of a, a canyon left behind by E3 with Jeff Keighley and several gaming companies coming in to help fill that. Uh, so Jeff Keighley, of course, organizes Summer Game Fest. And we also had a PlayStation State of Play, an Xbox and Bethesda showcase that were all under the Summer Game Fest banner. Uh, I was thinking, let's go, you know, just quickly in chronological order, you know, name our quick hits our highlights from these and then we can kind of talk about uh this showcase season as a whole and as a concept that's i'm so disappointed because you've missed what i've i really liked which was the uh the upload showcase that happened part of like this whole thing i like it's not related but like it does have the best games that i've seen which is ragnarok hellfest raid um, which is a rhythm game where you play as a little viking that's playing the drums and i'm I, like it's it's in the genre which I see is becoming very popular this year, which is like weird rhythm games for cool stepdads. Um, <laughs> and it's so it's like just like metal rhythm games where the and this one's super cute because you play as like a little Viking. Um, but that's that's <laughs> that's my personal bias because I was watching that showcase for a client. <laughs> no, please, and that's a good thing to shout out because as we'll kind of get into, there was I mean I just we're just naming a few. I mean there was the wholesome game showcase um devolver did their very normally quirky and funny um showcase showing some things coming up um there was a streamer led showcase that to my understanding was like four hours long um that had some really cool indies as well uh so very easy to miss again both of you please you know fill in where i'm missing the gaps uh but any other things from the upload vr showcase you want to highlight emily while we're talking about it um so I, it was like really cool because there was like a lot of stuff. There was um, Discronia, I think is the name of the title, where it's like a kind of persona e game where it's, it's got like real cool like action and adventure elements. So that was interesting to me. Um, and then there was this one game and I'm forgetting what it was called, but it was like Payday, but you're playing is like almost like mascots. Um, so it's like a bunny and like a... a bird and they're all like robbing a bank and it's filled with very foul language and i thought that was really interesting but um aside from that uh you know just i i really do like that upload um or sorry that vr games are really getting a lot more attention this year because vr games are really cool and they're kind of a niche field so i think you know we talk about the 
the downsides of E3 not being this year is that things are a little bit more scattered, but the upside is that you get to see a lot more different content. VR doesn't get as much presence at game conferences like this, so I'm glad that they got to have their own show that was like decently trafficked this this year. Totally. It's nice to see because Oculus does their own showcases maybe twice a year, um, but it's cool to see other, you know, to see it being rallied around by other people that aren't just meta. Yeah. That's my VR soapbox. And we can actually stay on it because the first thing that kind of happened with this summer game season was PlayStation State of Play on June 2nd, which had a lot of PSVR 2 content. Um, So it's not just meta uh, gearing up for releases and stuff. We also have the still undated but nebulously upcoming PlayStation VR 2 headset. Uh, In the State of Play, we got uh, confirmation that Resident Evil 8 is going to be playable. Uh, sounds terrifying. PSVR 2. Uh, the sequel to the highly acclaimed Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, uh, Chapter 2 Retribution, is coming. Uh, no Man's Sky is going to be playable in PSVR 2. And then Sony's big marquee first-party title for the headset, uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain, which takes place in the world of Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. All four of those games are coming to the PSVR 2. Where are you two at? Uh, I, I assume... Do either of you have PS5s? Um, were you PSVR owners for the PS4? I didn't have a... Uh, I don't have a PS5, uh, Sam. I did not have a PS4, nor did I have PSVR. <laughs> Nothing against PlayStation. Um, I had a PS3, and I loved that library. I just... Uh, when the PS4 came out, I was not at a point in my life where I had a lot of time to game. So I was just like, I can't rationalize spending a couple hundred dollars on a console I'm not going to play, right? Totally. Yeah, I'm a Switch gamer. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I have like the, the Oculus 2 headset. So PSVR is something that I haven't really ventured into as much, but I am really interested in the titles that are coming out. So I guess I will uh, share my PSVR uh, insight and, and, and your stories because I did own one. I got one on Black Friday, I believe. In 2018, the VR headset launched in 2016, and I got it, I think, for $200 with some games. Um, and I went in with my brother, so, you know, 100 bucks per pop, played, you know, got Beat Saber, Super Hot VR, Astrobot Rescue Mission. I'm a big fan of the PSVR headset. It's definitely, um, I've, I've used an Oculus or uh, Meta Quest as well. Um, that's definitely preferable. It's more comfy. It's wireless. Um, it feels a little lighter on your head. There's still a bulkiness to the PSVR headset. Um, but what fascinates me about the VR2, PSVR2 that is, uh, is where the, A, I'm glad it's happening because competition's good. Sony's got a lot of weight you know, behind them with their PlayStation Studios. I mean, this Horizon game looks excellent and you know, as AAA as a VR game can get. Um, but the landscape now is much different th- than it was uh, the VR landscape that is when PSVR launched in 2016, and that that was, in a lot of ways, the most accessible option. Because still, like, to my understanding, the, the Quest 1 had not come out yet. Um, so we, and, you know, the cheapest option you could get from, from below the PSVR was, like, you know, snapping your phone on top of your head. Um, but now... The PSVR 2 is, is is by no means anymore the easiest option to get into VR because the Quest is a standalone $300, $300 SKU. You don't need anything else. I mean, of course, you can plug it into your PC. 
Um, but the PSVR 2, I mean, it's, it's a $500 buy-in just for the console itself. And then, I mean, it's looking like probably 350 to 400 at least um, for the headset. So while I think the support that they're showing for it is great, I'm very interested to see if it's going to catch on in the way that PSVR 1 was a pretty moderate and, you know, good success for VR. Yeah, I do think tying uh, tying anything to a console like that is, you know, it's always going to be a risk, especially in like times like these where things are um, scarce. Um, but with VR, it's really the name of the game is like cross-play accessibility on multiple headsets because it's such a diverse way to play games where it's not really as trapped to like one headset. So like a lot of VR games, they don't have particular branding. And I, I like that because that means you can play anything on anything. But um, I mean, a lot of the cool games that we saw with the upload showcase was like, you know, they talked about Meta 2 and like that, or like Oculus 2. And that was like the platform that it was kind of designed for, but it does have cross playability. Stuff like um, Horizons, I uh, watching that and seeing that, it looks really cool. I want to play it. Um, I will say it does have that one pet peeve I have in a VR game where it's like it's floating hands. <laughs> um, I hate it when you can see like where the, the hand ends because it, it kind of breaks the immersion and that's like the whole thing about PS games. But um, no, I'm really excited for the showcase and uh, my partner's review of that particular showcase was I have so much motion sickness. <laughs> <laughs> um some last bit of uh like passenger seat like you know quarterbacking uh, or like you know my my head theory with psvr2 is a the fact that they announced no man's sky coming to psvr2 which is on psvr psvr1 sorry that's a lot of like acronyms and letters to say <laughs> um makes me think that the two headset is not going to be backwards compatible which is a I mean, maybe it's just an up-res, you know, the same way that, you know, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake is backwards compatible, but you can get the integrated version on PS5 and it runs even better. But my theory is I think it more means that if you're going to be wanted to play a game on PSVR 2, it's going to have to, you know, be a new version of it, which is a bit of a bummer because I think, again, the PSVR library is pretty great with things like uh, Astrobot Rescue Mission, Tetris Effect, Resident Evil 7, um... I don't know if any of you have any thoughts on, I mean, I'm sure backwards compatibility is just a technical feat to do. So it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, like with Oculus 2, like there's not a lot of backwards compatibility. Like um, sometimes stuff is just developed for the Oculus 2. And that's because like the technology, it does like in VR, especially technology evolves very quickly. So I'm not sure if backwards compatibility is available for most titles just because like you're working with it. It, it's like trying to get something to run on both like a MacBook and like a Linux computer. So like it's uh, like the the old stand computers that were like a whole room. Um, so there's there would be challenges. I'd like to see developers overcome those challenges, but acknowledging that like if they can't, it's understandable. Yeah, the last bit of PSVR two you know, strategizing or, you know, kind of theorizing, I want to pick your guys' brains about is when is this coming? The rollout of it has been very weird in that we're seeing games, we've seen the controllers, and I think we've seen the headset as well, um, but but we don't know when it's coming. And, and most interestingly, one of the games they announced for it was Walking Dead Saints and Sinners 2, which ends with a 2022 
like, you know, splash screen. So like, is that confirmation that the headset's coming, even though Sony hasn't said it themselves? I find it, I don't know what you all think about it. I think the rollout's been a little weird and not traditional for what we see for hardware like this. Yeah, that's a good that's a good catch, Sam, about the um the Walking Dead release date. I would not have realized that. So um I think it's I I think it's possible that we see it this year, right? Um but I I don't know. I'm not gonna hedge any bets on it. I'm I hedging don't. a bet. I think it's <laughs> I think it's gonna be a fall release. I or at least a fall announcement because I think they're gonna try to cash in on that holiday spending. Fair. Because yeah. when PS5 totally. was like, was that? I'm blanking, but like, when was the PS5 announced? That was announced. Uh, conf they they first talked about it at CES 2020, so it was January. They showed it June 2020, and then it released November 2020. So it's been two years now. I do agree with you. I mean, they released PSVR one holiday 2016, so I think a holiday release makes sense. But I think. My theory is it's just hardware constraints are so unpredictable right now that I'm sure Sony would like to release it this fall, but maybe that's just not in the cards. Uh, I, I mean, like they're they're holiday addicts, so I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be like holiday release November. <laughs> get your PSVR two. Struggled to get your v PS or PSVR two. <laughs> yeah, and by the nature of having to own a PS five to own a PSVR two. Um, they don't need, like, they don't need, like, 10 million headsets ready. Like, it's going to be more of a niche product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of people even have PS5s. Yet, yeah. So. <laughs> if you're, if you, if you only, yeah. Maybe that was, maybe that was part of the strategy. I don't know. Like, like I think you're totally PS5s. right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure when they started developing the headset, two, three, I mean, honestly, probably five years ago, probably they five, were thinking yeah. like, you know, PSVF, PS5s are going to be everywhere by year two. Like, it's going to be a perfect time to launch the headset. And here we are two years later, and it's still impossible to, to get one. They're like, we yeah. want a game a console that everybody wants. And then a finger <laughs> curled on the monkey's paw. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Some final things shown at the state of play. Uh, Resident Evil 4, it's getting a remake coming next year uh stray the cat indie game that everybody's into i want yep. that so bad like i i was sitting there like do i get a ps just for stray <laughs> um and i want i want a dlc of that game i'm already asking for dlc where you can switch what kind of cat it is because i would love to play like i have a siamese cat i'd love to play stray as a little siamese cat <laughs> I have good news. It is coming to PC, so you won't have to get a PS4 yes! or 5. <laughs> okay, yep. yes, and I'm playing it on PC. <laughs> uh, we also got a trailer for the Dead Space spiritual successor, Callisto Protocol, and a date that's coming December 2nd. Uh, and then we got some Street Fighter VI gameplay, and we closed with some Final Fantasy 16 gameplay. So some big third-party hitters, uh, but their only real first-party stuff was Horizon Call of the Mountain and a Spider-Man PC port. Uh, Brad and Emily, what did you think of Sony's state of play as a whole? Were you disappointed not to see more um, from the, I guess you're, as non-PlayStation owners, you probably don't care that, you know, we didn't see God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah. I have one word, space. Every game is a space horror shooter. And I like, I like space horror shooters. Um, 
I, there is so much going to come out. I think Callisto Project looks really good because I liked Dead Space when I was younger. So, like, I'm excited for that one. I think Aliens uh, looks really cool. I Like, I was watching that and I was like, there's something very, very familiar about these uniforms. And then Alien showed up <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so, I'm really excited for those games. Those, like, both of them look really interesting to me. Again, I also just, I like the weird stuff. So, like, Stray looks really cool. There's another rhythm game, uh, which I think I called, like, a weird rhythm game for cool stepdads. Um, it was, like, Metal Slinger. Oh, Metal Hellsinger. Metal Hellsinger. Yeah, that looks really cool. And um, I don't, because, like, there's a lot of really cool, like, big releases. Like, obviously, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Um, and the last of us remake are like really cool and interesting i'm glad that like like weird titles kind of got the spotlight too this year i totally agree yeah like you mentioned the space trend like like moving on to summer game fest like not just the two you named calisto protocol and the aliens dark descent game but uh famous voice actors troy baker and roger clark are doing another space horror game called Fort Solace. And then immediately after that, we got a, another sci-fi AI gone wrong set in space called Routine. I'm like, man, what is in the air right now? Everybody likes sci-fi horror. I, um, we were, cause we were all kind of watching that at the same time because, you know, we work in the game industry. So, um, Caitlin was like texting me and like, I think she was like in the channel and, she jumped in the routine trailer when the robot just grabs you. Uh, and I was sitting there like, oh, that's a little spooky. And then I just see Caitlin like typing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really glad that like, cause when I was a little bit younger, like space, like cool space, scary games were the thing that I was into. And there there's like three, like dead space was like kind of topping the charts. Halo is not really scary as much as it is like a shooty game. So like, cool atmospheric scary space shooter adventures like sign me up i really like that and it's funny i mean like i wasn't included in any of these showcases because it had its own little live stream a couple weeks before but yeah dead space itself is getting a remake and that comes out like only a month and a half after callisto protocol which uh i'm sure both studios are kind of having a, an internal giggle like what are the odds that you know this spiritual successor started and now the remake's coming a month after but uh a good time to be a fan of the spooky space stuff i like your story where they're like giggling at each other and not having an intense locked yeah. rivalry which is my <laughs> personal fanfic of the scenario <laughs> yeah it's one of those like can't help but laugh things that's it that's my head canon. yeah <laughs> I um you know thinking about the all the you know immersive space horror games and then I guess sort of tangentially like the AI gone wrong sort of thing um I know that these were probably all I mean I not probably I'm sure these were all started in development before the pandemic but I think the the whole work from home relying so much on tech thing is going to resonate with a lot of people um and the AI gone wrong thing is just something that people have been I mean, it's 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 been a it's been a popular subject in sci-fi for quite a while, but more so lately, especially like with like Dolly, you know, the I, I think I'm pronouncing that right. The image generating AI thing. They just had a cover. <laughs> I believe that was on. Uh, they just had a, they had a magazine cover like yesterday. It's escaping me now. But, you know, AI generation is 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 obviously like super hot right now. 
Um, so I could see, I can see that also just tracking with a lot of people really well. And, you know, the AI can produce like a gorgeous magazine cover in 20 seconds. Like, I think we have, we can all, we, there's, there's cause for concern with everybody. Even, I mean, it's super cool stuff. Like I, I there's a lot of potential there, but, uh, definitely the, 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 the gone wrong horse kind of thing definitely makes a lot of sense. I think you really hit the nail on the head there where it's like, I, there's so much like anxiety about work from home that I do feel like a lot of people these days really relate to the characters in dead space where it's like, you can't interact with other people because they're, they're zombies and you, you're stuck in this like really insular bubble. I think it kind of speaks to a lot of the current anxieties that people have. Yeah. And it, you know, as people are kind of going more out and about these days, I feel like returning to that time is going to be like really interesting for people as like they they're like, oh, I'm back in the real world a little bit, but I feel that anxiety creeping in in my games. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. Um, I did just look up what I was talking about uh, a second ago. It's Cosmopolitan. Their AI issue has um, Dolly generated art, and yeah, it took 20 seconds to make. That's and wild. I look at this and I'm like, this would have taken hours and hours and hours and hours in Photoshop um, after doing a separate photo shoot. So <laughs> as a, as a cre as a, you know, as a creative type, even just as a hobbyist like that, I don't know, that kind of, it scares me a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was that like joke that I, like somebody told me one time where it was like, if you work in um, like new technology, like you're always super excited to get like the, the smart thermostat and like the smart refrigerator and put all that in your house. If you work in cybersecurity, then like you have one printer from 2007 <laughs> and a loaded gun next to it for if it makes a weird noise. Yeah, uh, I think creative types are kind of like that where it's like I have one, <laughs> one uh, like tablet and stuff like that. And if somebody brings an AI generated art piece into my house, I have a <laughs> like a... a <laughs> What's it? A paper shredder right next to the door? Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I have you know, I, 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 I will be you know, let the record show. I am not you know, I have no problem with like AI and the the where where tech is going. I'm like personally like a huge fan of like the smart home, smart city kind of um, devices and applications. Like I've got smart light bulbs in my apartment, and they are great for parties because I can have one be blue and the other one be green and you know, get changed colors all the time. Um, I know people with like smart thermostats that like it like auto adjusts for you. Um, it's maybe a little less than optimal when like those servers go down and you can't like control the temperature of your own home, but people didn't have AC for hundreds of years. So like, you know, maybe not the end of the world, but Brad is uh, on the side of our AI overlords. I'm firmly not. I have the, I have the printer from 2007. I mean, <laughs> like, just add water, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I've got I've got the th smart thermostat and a water bottle taped to the wall next to it. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't have a loaded gun. I've got one of those spray bottles used for a dog. So. <laughs> <laughs> you do make an interesting point about like seeing we're entering the phase where we're going to see video games created, started during the pandemic. Um, manifest and it'll be interesting to see what trends emerge you know um, a lot of these games of course like Callisto Protocol was announced like before the pandemic and stuff so it'll be another year or two before that but kind of related um, Games Industry Shop Biz put out a piece uh, last week about this fall and 
how many people observed that it seems to be a quieter release period than perhaps, you know, some holiday seasons in the past. I, uh, Emily's shaking her head, disagreeing. I disagree too. There's but, so yeah. much coming out this fall. No, I agree. I think a lot of people just like to, I think when uh, certain certain things you're looking forward to get delayed, it seems like there are these gaps, whereas like, you know, we're getting uh, a Marvel game from Firaxis, we're getting Gotham Knights, we're getting a new Call of Duty, we're getting a Pokemon game in November, Overwatch 2, uh, just to name a few, not to mention the rumors are pointing to a God of War Ragnarok still coming this year. Um, but I think when Starfield and Breath of the Wild 2 got delayed, what many people considered the other Game of the Year contenders against uh, Elden Ring, at least in speculation, that just sent people into this weird, like, oh, no games, <laughs> Tizzy, which I disagree with. I will say the delay of Breath of the Wild hurt me personally on a level that I'm still trying to grapple with to this day. But um, no, I'm excited for that because I feel like releasing next year is any time that this game needs, it needs um, and the same can be said about any game in the industry that's delayed. P like the team that makes these games do not want to delay it. They do not want to push that date back. They do it because they have to. I feel like Breath of the Wild next year could be a game of the year. And if that's because they got an extra couple months to work on it, then like I'm all for that. I do weep at the opportunities to that I could be running around as Link. But, you know, if they need to pull that back, then they can pull that back. Um, I do agree with Brad on the sense that like we have a very packed schedule. If it's if you've had, you know, one or two major games delayed, that's 13 more independent games that are coming out or, you know, 13 more, maybe not triple A, but like close to triple A games being double released. A, yeah, double yeah, A games being released, um, independent third parties, stuff like that. There's a lot of opportunities this fall. Um, you will not be able to play every single game that comes out this fall, even if the two major ones are getting pushed back. I promise you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. To close the loop on that Games Industry Shop biz piece, it was looking at things like Starfield, Redfall, Breath of the Wild 2, these things that were supposed to come out this year that were delayed. And, and in saying that, like, we are, you know, 2020 and 2021 saw a lot of games that were already deep into production or even some sort of, sort of degree of post-production when the pandemic started, uh, making work-from-home development a bit more manageable because everybody knew the, the finish line to a degree was in sight and they could go from there. Whereas now we're in this phase where so many games were entering production when the pandemic started and, uh, you know, makes production pipelines so much harder to estimate because developers are still figuring out what a non-physical studio-based uh, development uh, suite looks like. So anyway, I would recommend checking out that piece. I found it interesting. They had a lot of different developers interviewed about their takes on how to make work from home uh, feasible for the long term. Yeah. Returning, uh, so we talked about State of Play. Emily mentioned a lot of great things at Summer Game Fest. Uh, the Aliens game, that's kind of what kicked it off. Got Street Fighter Six gameplay. It closed with the reveal of Last of Us Part 1. Had a lot of indie cool stuff in the middle. And then quickly just to Xbox Bethesda games, that showed only things coming in the next 12 months, which I thought was a cool approach because it was all gameplay. Um, very exciting things, you know, kicking off with Redfall, ending with Starfield, getting some really cool indies and a great look at Diablo 4 in the middle there, um, in addition to many others. So with those two showcases, you know, Emily named a few. Uh, Brad, what are the things shown, you know, from these showcases and any others that I missed that you're excited for? Ooh, that's, um, that's a, it's a good question. I, um, 
I feel like with these showcases every year, I'm like, oh my god, I like game looks so good. That game looks so good, and I want to like buy all of them. Um, <laughs> and then I end up only buying about a half dozen from you know these sort of things at like a you know around the holidays when I have some extra cash, and then I they just sit my backlog. Despite that, I am still excited for uh, Street Fighter Six. Um, the like the single player campaign and like open world street. I don't know if it's open world running around like an adventure sort of street fighter thing is a very cool change. Um, I did not think that they were going to go 3d with it. It's very, very, um, very Konami of them. Or <laughs> is that the right? No, very. Uh, yeah. Who does make Tekken? Tekken. Tekken. Bandai Namco. Is that Bandai Namco? Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, that's Namco. Um, they do soul caliber too, right? Um, God, now I'm, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm embarrassed by, <laughs> by, by not not getting all all of my my major gaming uh, fighting game franchises right, in, in, you know, <laughs> at first breath. But um, little surprised to see them go 3D since that's just such a far departure from Street Fighter as like the classic 2.5 well 2d and then 2.5d fighter um but it looks really cool and i am I'm, I'm curious how that you know shakes out i want more than just like the one guy to be playable in that like if i can run around as like you know gil or blanca or something in in the world like i i i'd love that um sam you did mention redfall i um that's another one of those games like if it takes until if it takes longer to develop to make sure that it's like good and solid uh, and a lot of fun, then great. Take the time. Cause I mean, even the gameplay they showed so far looks so cool. It looks so cool. Um, that's like, yeah, it's definitely uh, up my alley there. Um, and then looking at one of the other showcases, the devolver showcase um, for, for, for an indie that really uh, caught my eye is um, a plucky squire. Yes. Uh, or it's <laughs> oh. the plucky squire. I think I'm making sure I'm yes. getting, yeah, the plucky squire. I want to get the article, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> proper title. That game looks so cool. Um, like the, the, the variety of gameplay. I mean, so many influences from like, you know, Zelda to punch out to like, you know, Super Mario, like 3D games. Like it's, it, it just looks so cool. And like the art style is like super charming too. I, um, I Emily, know. did you see the trailer for this one? Um, the Plucky Squire, I didn't. So everything, Brad, so like the, the, the hook seemingly of the game is that the, the first like minute of the trailer, which was enough to already get me hooked, this beautiful like top-down hand-drawn art style. It's like you're, the action taking place within a book uh, and like as the pages are flipping, like all these different kind of game styles are shown, Brad, like, you know, Zelda punch out. But then like at the minute mark, they then, the twist is the little character hops out of the book and it becomes like a 3D looking game. I'm not sure exactly whether it'll be a platformer or more of like a Zelda exploration type thing, but yeah, it absolutely wowed me as well. That was my favorite like indie game shown this last week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am, I am very ready to see where it goes next. I mean, just looking at screenshots, like the one part that's like, um, like a shmup, like the classic, like 2D, like railgun shooter sort of thing. Uh, it looks like that's, it looks like it's on the side of like a, like a, like a thermos or like some, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's, 
they're they're definitely mixing it up with like um kind of like spatial relations and like the kind of like surfaces that you can play on which i think is also just like such a cool concept that like not enough games have dug into like yeah there's a part here where like it looks like almost like a like a zelda game but it's on the side of a mug like yeah <laughs> i want to play on the side of a mug like <laughs> like that would be so cool so yeah that that game i'm definitely excited for um I, I cannot wait to see more from that. Um, and that's also coming next year. So a lot to look forward to in 2023. Um, trying to think if there are any other games that were really standing out to me. Um, Can I hit you three? Yeah, I wanna hear your, so I want to hit your, your opinion on this uh, first one, Brad. Uh, Arkham Knights. Gotham Knights. Ar so, Gotham Knights, sorry. Gotham Knights. <laughs> Gotham, I mean, Gotham Knights looks cool. I... Um, I have not been following it as closely um, as some of the other titles, but um, this is another one where I was like, I want a game that's about the Bat Fam, um, and yeah. the finger curled on the monkey's paw because they were like, Batman's dead, and this is about the Bat Fam, and I went, Yes, Batman's dead! It's about the Bat Fam, and they're like, and its <laughs> main character is, is Dick Grayson, and I went, No, because my favorite Robin is Jason Todd, mm. and I so I'm they're like, You get a Dick Grayson game, and I was just like. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, the red uh, Jason as Red Hood is playable in the game. I'm very curious how the story will balance because uh, the other playable characters are Tim Drake as uh, Robin and then uh, Batgirl Barbara. Um, so I do agree with you. It seems, especially based on the trailer we got at Summer Game Fest, that as you do with Bat Family stories, Dick Grayson takes the lead. But I do agree with you that it'd be very cool to get a Jason led. Uh, bat family game i want a jason led game i'm uh, unapologetic jason todd stan uh brad and i have the same choice in like side characters sometimes where we like we're both the biggest shinzo hitoshi from boku no hero fans i think that was like our one of our first conversations was about how much we love shinzo yep anime bonds people it really anime does. bonds people but like I, I love jason todd i want a story from him so finger curled on the monkey's paw but i'm i'll try it uh the next time i thought was really cool was high water um which is mm. like a post-apocalyptic mm. you're in a boat traveling around which i think again that's like a pandemic game where it's like you're very alone and nobody's there to save you here's your boat <laughs> a, a game where you're very alone and no one's here to save you yep. yeah that one that one looks cool i always i always like when games jump into the like climate change near not narrative the climate change like like um what's the word i'm looking for like reality <laughs> I mean, yeah, reality, but like, like climate sci-fi, it doesn't, mm -hmm. it's not really fiction though. Um, I, um, I've been following some other projects actually before triple point. I worked on briefly on a project, um, that's also looking at like the world post climate crisis. So I, um, any, any games that touch on this more, like mm -hmm. we need, we need more media that's gonna, mm -hmm. you know, convince people like. This is what's going to happen because that's the easiest way to reach them. But my then, like, getting off my soapbox here. Um, <laughs> no, I love game did look cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then like the last one, and this is one that was really like the chat seemed really interested on this was American Arcadia. That's the one where it's like mm -hmm. Truman Show meets Prisoner meets like Prison Break. Um, <laughs> yeah, that one thought, looked really cool. Yeah, that one it was really interesting to me because like I I like the idea of like you just 
doing a, I, I like when things tone shift so it's like a very bright and happy game but it's got like a really dark subject matter so mm-hmm. like the idea of like right happy blah, 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 you're on tv escape <laughs> yep yeah that one did look really cool I do want to shout out another element that, you know, wasn't really as public as these showcases, but were tied in to this summer season was, uh, so tied into Summer Game Fest where summer play days, uh, Jeff Keighley invited a lot of media to a physical space uh, in LA, kind of reminded me of what I understood used to be called Judges Week, um, which was a period before E3 that press and influencers would come down, play games. They'd usually be embargoed so that when they were shown during E3, all these previews would come up being like, hey, we've played this and it, it's it's awesome. Um, so this was kind of, you know, a successor to that. And that, I think, worked most successfully for a game Brad mentioned was Street Fighter VI, um, which showed very well at both Summer Game Fest and State of Play. But for me, got me even more excited because I feel like it was the talk of the town at Summer Play Days. I saw all these people, Tamar Hussein, uh, Imran Khan, a bunch of people I follow on Twitter being like, oh, I'm going to beat you so hard at Street Fighter VI when it comes out. And like, I just love, I that's what I, you know, I've never been to E3 myself, but I do miss that kind of fervor that comes from a really hot game on the show floor where like, I, you know, I get FOMO, but I still enjoy seeing everybody talking about it, and it makes me excited to get my hands on it myself. Um, yeah. And the similar thing, a lot more accessible, came with the Steam Next Fest, um, which the last couple of years now, they do a couple a year, but they always align one with the summer season. So with games like Metal Hellsinger, which is that really cool music-infused Doom game uh, that Emily mentioned, um, Midnight Fight Express, which looks like kind of a top-down 3D Hotline Miami type of game with, like, you know, some John Wick influence. Um, Trying to think. Oh, Escape Academy, uh, which also was at the Summer Play Days. Uh, It's cool because I can download these demos and be like, oh, yeah, this game does rule, and I'm going to wish list it. Um, So I think, you know, the era of the game reveal plus hands-on beat is not dead. And I think both of those options, whether it's Steam Next Fest or Summer Play Days, were really cool ways to like keep the conversation going about your games beyond just the one trailer. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. Like, we know because of the industry we're in, as, as many times as you can to get people hands-on with your game, that's going to generate noise and that's going to generate interest. So I really do think like events where you know, even if we don't have big E3, we have like ways to demo and sample games. That's, it's always to the benefit of that studio and to like the benefit of the game itself. So like we, we need more opportunities for people to play these games. For sure. And also I like the competitiveness of like just going somewhere and being like, in six months time when this game is out, I will kick your ass, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, The last question uh, kind of tied into this idea of like, help you know a boost to your game helping it stand out above the crowd of the summer game showcases um how effective do you think this kind of you know calendar current approach is like as a fan i like it but admittedly like you know emily talked about the upload vr one that one completely went over my head and you know was kind of it was kind of lost for me in the shuffle of the other ones do you guys you know, do you wish that some of these would get moved out to like late June or July, or do you still think there's value to having, you know, something spread out in the first two weeks of June? I think it'd be nice to see stuff spread out even a little bit more than that. Um, Cause I, I definitely 
I get what you're saying, Sam, about not being able to catch everything, right? I mean, I I didn't watch every showcase. I like I could I couldn't. Um, so if stuff was a little bit further out, then maybe I'd be able to. But I think there is there's there's still something to be said for you know having a major moment like this um, right around when people also like consumers also have more free time uh, in the summer. So, you know, not necessarily that some of these games are like, and this is out today. Like they're not pulling the Nintendo direct classic um, of saying you can download, download this in the eShop right now. But um, it does give people something to look forward to. And it gets them thinking about, you know, Q3, Q4 already, um, which I think, I think there's, there's value to, um, I think also like the 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 amount of people that are trying to watch everything is I think just not there's just not a lot of us unless we're in the industry or unless like you like you really like all video games. Um you know, PlayStation fans are probably just going to watch the state of play and if there's other PlayStation games that they hear about or read about then, you know, they probably think that's cool, but they have their main show, the Xbox, Xbox fans, Bethesda fans. Um, I mean, even some individual franchise showcases like Final Fantasy um, last week and uh, on the same day, Overwatch 2, you know, there is a lot of, you know, not only are there a lot of reveals, but there's a lot of information being revealed about major franchises and major games and everybody gets their own little thing, right? Um, I'm not sure it all has to be at the same time. Um, and I'm, I'm sure our journalist friends could, you know, would, would argue against having it all at the same time in terms of bandwidth. Um, but, uh, you know, I appreciate that there's a little bit of something for everybody. Uh, it'd be nice if it was all under the same roof. And, you know, if, if that, if there's ever a convention center that I can go to and get to see everything, that'd be great. Uh, but I think those days are gone. And I think from like, even from a business perspective, having your own live stream or showcase for your first party or third party company um, just makes more sense for your own audience. I don't know, because I'm kind of a fan of like games Hanukkah that we have every June <laughs> where it's like um, just in the sense that I feel like what it does to the benefit of the gaming industry is it kind of takes out a lot of the big players in one fell swoop. So like right now, this week, you could announce a lot of things for smaller games because we are we already know Starfield, we already know Last of Us, we already know this, we already know that. It really takes out the major players that are gonna get those like 100 articles written about them already and gives like a very definitive don't release your indie title this week of of june but you can release it in the later june or early march um or uh, sorry late like late may so i do think that there is a benefit to having everything kind of concentrated because it creates a um it creates a space where like all the major stories are going to come out at once that does come to the detriment of any announcement you want to make during that time you're kind of shouting into dead air and it if you are working for like a major client you know, you have to stand out, especially, and you have to go above and beyond when you're already kind of going above and beyond by being like a triple A release. So, I mean, there's benefits and there's downsides, but I do think that like, in general, it is kind of nice to group up a lot of major releases at one time, because then you can get those 100 articles printed in that week, and then everybody else gets a time to play 
for the rest of summer. So like a lot of indie showcases and stuff like that happen later in the week because of that. So like once you get The Last of Us out of the way and once you get like Callisto out of the way, you have more opportunities to talk about games that aren't going to get those 100 articles, but like could because they have a lot more bandwidth because all of the reporters did their 40 articles about like Dead Space last week, took a nap and now they're ready to go. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I yeah, generally agree that I think as a whole, like there's more net positives than net negatives. Like, you know, in terms of a platform perspective, it makes total sense for like Xbox to do what it does because it's a great, I, I don't mean to use this word cynically, but like commercial for Game Pass because like you watch that and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm getting so much great stuff over the next year. I'm going to stay subscribed. And it's, you know, it sold, you know, sells me. Um, and so it works from a platform perspective, but even just game to game, you know, kind of the high tide lifts all boats thing, like Lightyear Frontier is this mech-based farming game that was shown in the Xbox showcase that admittedly totally would miss me if it was shown, you know, if a trailer dropped on a random Tuesday in like middle of May. Um, but because it was sandwiched between like Diablo 4 and Redfall and Overwatch 2, I'm like, oh, like this mech farming game looks really cool. I'm going to Steam wishlist this. So, um, and I think the same goes for like having games on the summer play days floor. Like, yeah, things like Sonic Frontiers and Street Fighter 6 maybe, you know, juice up the headlines and, you know, get people flying out for it. But then they also go hands on with like an indie game like Shim, um, which is, I don't know if any of you saw it, like, you're a frog hopping through shadows. Very cool, like monochromatic uh, art style. Was one of my favorite indie shown. And people went hands-on with it at the summer play days. And I don't know if I would have heard about it. You know, like they wouldn't be able to reach as many eyes if they were to do their own thing versus like, hey, our PlayStation's right here. You you know, you, you have time between your, your appointments. Why don't you come check out this? And now it's, you know, many people was like one of their most anticipated indie games. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, American Arcadia is an indie game. Yeah. So, like, a lot of the games that we heard about would not get as much attention if they weren't sandwiched between, like, you know, um, Stormgate and, uh, like, Midnight Suns, the new Marvel game. So, like, I'm just looking at this, like, list of, like, how they were announced. And, like, yeah, sandwiching indie games between all these, like, really big releases gives them an opportunity. And, like, you can't have that if you don't have Game Hanukkah in the middle of summer. So. (laughs) Well, on that note, a happy game Hanukkah to all. Uh, <laughs> Emily, Brad, thank you so much for your time today. This was a fun one and uh, points to a very fun rest of the year for all the gamers out there. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is like a our halfway through the season. like, <laughs> like... It's our mid-season finale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Emily, where can the people find you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, Emily underscore Google. Um and then you can just kind of find me lurking through like uh, all of the Nintendo Direct like tweets, a Twitter sphere, and blogs because I'm looking for like new Nintendo release schedules. Uh, but that's where you can find me. Brad, what about you? Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. It's uh, Brad De Ramon. It's just my name spelled out. B R A D. That's the easy part. D E R A M O N. I don't tweet that much, but. You know, I've, I've got a banger every once in a while, so. <laughs> you can I really find me. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me everywhere at Sam Scott Mosier. I, too, will be lurking and uh, looking for the Nintendo Direct. All, you know, signs point to hopefully 
uh that's like you know the the big kind of shadow looming over this conversation is where's nintendo uh, uh xenoblade chronicles 3 anyone that's true we get a game specific <laughs> direct coming this we week. are that'll be cool yeah no i so, can't wait for nintendo to be like you thought <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> well uh much look forward to and you can look forward to another episode of this podcast in two weeks find us at real-time strats on social media email us at podcast at triple point pr.com and until then thank you so much for listening